0: Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Martha. And our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by celebrating our stories and what our babies have overcome. Whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone.
1: Hi, mamas. Welcome back to the Dear NICU Mama Podcast. It's your host, Martha and... Ashley, Martha, it's so good to have you back. Yeah, it's good to it's good to be back. It was very crazy listening to the podcast last week um, as a listener, uh, and it was so fun. I was like, these people are amazing. It really, it was a joy, and
0: I I just love that we get to do this. It's very cool that this is like our job. I know. It's such a blessing. I love I love getting to host with you. It was such a blast hosting with Vilma and hearing the voicemails. And I'm super mm, excited about so today's cool. interview too. Absolutely.
1: So, you know, on the podcast, sometimes we're able to interview uh, NICU specialists and maternal mental health care specialists, and sometimes we have the incredible pleasure of interviewing NICU moms about their journeys and their experiences, and that's what we're doing today. We're interviewing Sally Richardson. Can you say hi, Sally? Hey, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sally
1: is a mom to five. That's right. You heard it, five. I want a moment of silence for five children. Um, uh. One singleton and one group of quadruplets. And again, a moment <laughs> of silence for quadruplets. Okay,
2: Five children, not unheard of. People out there are like five children. Yeah, that's, that's normal. As, you know. Yes. Yeah. Five yeah I'm one of five.
1: How many, how many were in your family, Sally, growing up?
2: Uh, well, we had, it was like a one and a half situation. I okay. I was sister and one half, like a half. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Sure. Yeah.
1: You know, I grew up with five and let me tell you, we, um, could make a full, you know, chamber orchestra (laughs) and we did. We were a good basketball team. We constantly, um, tried to replicate uh, a bobsled team from that, you know, that movie Cool Runnings. Obviously you've seen that Sally, right? So these are the things in your future. But um, anyway, I digress. Uh, As you can tell, Sally is hilarious. She's wonderful. She's so fun. She documented a lot of her journey of her pregnancy with her quads on a blog, and and we'll definitely get into that today. But we're really interested to to hear about her journey and what it was like delivering what the NICU experience was like for her and what life
0: after NICU has been like. (laughs) So fun. And Sally, I feel like I have this special connection with you because – My son was in the NICU when your quads were born. And I'm sure we'll touch on this when you get to the delivery part of your story. But I remember the buzz in the NICU when the quads were coming. And I remember like them having to call all of their extra staff just to be prepared. And they were getting the rooms ready. And I knew of Taylor because um, we had been in like a photography community together. In fact, like that's when I officially met her was she was dressed in her scrubs ready to photograph your birth. <laughs> like your kids and I just remember like there was was there news that came to the hospital am yeah, I making I that up
2: there was a news crew that came along okay yep. I definitely <laughs> this is pretty for
1: you to be um photographed and videoed moments after you
2: delivered babies? <laughs> it what was it you know I was real pretty let <laughs> me know <laughs> just, just so uh,
1: Oh, and just for so the well. listeners, the Taylor that we mentioned here was um, Taylor from yes. a previous episode. She's a full-term yes. NICU mama, and she also does NICU baby photography. And she's, she's like a connector to a lot of people in the yes, community, including you. And she was the first person who was like, you need to have Sally on. Yes.
2: yes. <laughs> <laughs> she is the secret love of my life. And so <laughs> and my husband knows this to where... She forever changed our viewpoint on how beautiful our children are and mm. how much of the experience can be changed through photography, which yes. never would have been an option for us. Obviously, she does everything she does out to, gratis to us. So um she um she's forever changed our viewpoint on everything that's we've been through
0: so we'll get into that absolutely (laughs) I think one of my favorite things too is you guys on Facebook interacting with each other especially when she tries to guess well this was very early on when she would like guess which baby was who and she was always right she always knew which baby was who (laughs) before I could before I could and again we'll get into that
2: because I had many moments of tears as a mom and multiples right over photos because you think that yeah. mm, you
0: just can't. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm sorry to jump ahead. I know I just got really excited to add that in there, but I'm just really pumped to have you here because like I said, I feel like I share this special connection with you. So thank you so much for being on here today. Well, maybe in an effort to get back on track, Sally, do you <laughs> want to tell us a little bit about your motherhood journey from the very beginning? Because even before you had the quads, you were also a mama to another sweet little girl.
2: Yeah. So we, um, we were married in 2014 and immediately started trying. I mean, that was kind of the basis of our relationship was that we're like, Hey, I kind of want to have a baby with you. Hey, I kind of want to have a baby with you. I want you to be the dad. I want to be the mom. And so we immediately started trying. Um, we did try for a year on our own. Um, and then started to seek out help with fertility specialists and then did, another year with them, um, and eventually got into the IUI stage, um, which I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for science. I'm thankful for taking it out of my hands is how we looked at it, was that it's out of our hands. We can't do anything but do what the doctors tell us to do, and so we followed that kind of regimen for it took four cycles, um, to get us Elsie and we had a very safe pregnancy. It was not, um, anything high risk. It was just kind of that dream pregnancy that you think about as like the classic story. Um, I was on blood thinners, um, for two blood um, disorders that I have. Um, and so we ended up having to do, I'm sorry, I'm jumping into the birth part of it. Um, okay. But she, you know, she's kind of – she was my easy kiddo with pregnancy when you think about it. To where I went through – we tried – what's it called where they basically push you into going into delivery?
0: Induced?
2: Yeah, I was induced. Uh, Eric's trying to mouth it to me. Um, (laughs) um, But it turned into an emergency C-section, long story Mm -hmm. short. Um, Which if you're induced, any mama that's been through induction, you're like, Okay, like, let's do this. And then it goes from zero to 60 miles per hour. And you're like, this is the worst.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: like, you just kind of jump right into being in labor. And it's very scary. It's very traumatic in that sense, to where you're like, this is not how it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to be able to breathe. I'm supposed to be able to, you know, kind of get into things and have my water break naturally. And, It just didn't happen that way with Elsie. And that was kind of the scary pregnancy for us was going through that like, oh, we're actually going to have to drill into her head to get the – get her heartbeat. We're supposed to be monitoring it that way because we can't get a good read on on the outside. So for me, jumping into that again – I'm a science teacher, so it was nice for us to be able to just hand it over to science, hand it over to the doctors to tell us what to do. And I know not everybody has that luxury of having that mindset or being able to have that mindset with the medical team that they have. But luckily, we had an amazing team that allowed us that ability to take it out of our hands, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So for sure. that's Elsie. <laughs> Who's now a beautiful four-year-old who talks a yeah. lot. <laughs> I, I mean, I
1: think that's a great point though, because you said it from the beginning. Like, even like when you go through your pregnancy is quote unquote typical, normal, whatever that means. Yeah, when you get to yeah. delivery, I think when especially induction, which is seems so more much more commonplace, it's it's another kind of form of like. shock right it's like your kind of your introduction to expectation versus reality and in your next pregnancy that was like
2: oh um, that was twofold threefold
1: right (laughs) yeah
2: but I mean luckily with Elsie we already had the mindset of like birth plan meeting with this birth you know basically director of this whole movie we we didn't do it we were in that realm of what happens happens we could walk in with a plan. It's just not going to play out the way that we want. So we actually didn't do any of that, which kudos to you. If you can go through that and just have that in your back pocket, but we didn't even do that with Elsie. And so with the quads, they did it for us, which actually goes, I mean, they had a full freaking flow chart of plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, so even with the typical "quote unquote" pregnancy, it, it just went out the window.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: I'm thankful we had that before we, you know, went off into babyland with four.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what was the journey like to getting ready for the next babyland? How long did you guys wait? Did you journey through more infertility? Was it a quick conception? No. Um. So we. We decided that we
2: were ready to try for another one at, I think it was Elsie's first birthday, was when we were like, okay, she's a rock star. You know, she obviously is our reason for wanting more kids. We know the next one is not going to be the same. Because the first kid is always the one where it's like, oh my gosh, we could totally do this again. This kid's amazing. And you know you're going to get pelted in the face with poop. You know, <laughs> So we started after she was one years old and we returned immediately to infertility because we were told that we could. And so, again, I was like, I don't want to deal with this. Let's turn this into the hands of the doctors. And so we started up with the same regimen that they did before with medication. Um, we made it to, I think, our second IUI. And he was just like, you know what? We're going to change it up. You should be pregnant by now if this was going to work. And so we then did the addition of um, not only pills, but I went on Follistim. And um, Eric just got to do his manly man thing. (laughs) But um, it took another four rounds. So we ended up doing Mm -hmm. six rounds. And we had five follicles that went through to get the quads. And um, four of those eggs took separately. (sighs) So, you know, we, we could have had quintuplets, which makes me think of that Disney movie.
1: Remember that yes. one?
2: Yeah. Quintuplets? Yeah. It's crazy. Or quints, I think they called yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it always makes me think of that. I was like, we could be the next quints. Elsie could totally be that chick. <laughs> um. So we had the four eggs take. And I just remember that moment. We were with Bob. If you. If anybody's been to infertility, they know Bob. Um, he's the technician that you work with right when you walk in. And he just is clean cut, dry humor. We appreciated every minute that we had with him. He did the same script every time where he's like, okay, and now you're going to walk down the hallway and they'll flag you down with which one room to walk in and I'll <laughs> give them all the news. You know, he just like had his script that he talked us through, even though we had known him For It was two and a half years at that point. And so for us to have him be the one where we saw two um, eggs on the screen or, again, I'm a science teacher and I don't even know the technical term. (laughs) You guys do of the two, you know, eggs meet sperm. What's that called? Do you know? Embryo. There you go. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. two blobby babies on the screen and I was like twins like we could totally rock twins like this is great like Eric was excited he's like twins wow and then you know he switched out around the view and you know you get used to that with Bob because he looks at both sides of your uterus so you're like hey he's just looking at it from a different view so I was like oh is that the same too and he's like no those are those are two more. And I'm like, shut up. Like, shut up. <laughs> and I literally told him to shut up because, you know, his dry humor. And he's like, no, I wouldn't joke about this. And I, that's when I was just like, no, shut up. And <laughs> Eric, my husband, immediately looked at the ground. He didn't look up for a very long time. He didn't talk to anybody. And so Bob and I kind of talked it through. And that's kind of when we started realizing, like, oh, shit, like this is our lives changing forever, whether this pregnancy actually plays out because there's always that possibility or whether, you know, we're coming home with quadruplets. Um, so that day after going through infertility and, you know, everybody at the clinic knew as we walked down the hallway, you know, everybody knew by the time we left because they were our family. Um. And I still talk to those ladies to this day. And they're so mm-hmm. amazing and supportive and flexible and wanting to offer encouragement any way they can. And in that moment, I will be forever grateful that those nurses and our doctor just supported us. He's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm getting fired, I guess. <laughs> if, <laughs> Dr. Christensen, <laughs> he he was just like, well, this is it, I guess. I was going to go out on top. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um. So leaving, I Eric still was looking at the ground. He um texted me when I was on my way to school because I had to go teach that day. Oh my goodness! I know. So driving on my way to school, he was just like, "I love you." Is what he texted oh my me. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the first words out no. of his mouth. So of course. As the extrovert, I walked into my school and went immediately to my teaching team holding up four fingers and they're like, what what does that even mean? And so their jaw dropped. I finally got to cry. (laughs) Um, We um, as a teaching team had been through a lot at that point and we were actually housed out of a high school as an eighth grade team because we had outgrown our middle school. Um, And one of the teachers on my team was going through adoption, the mm-hmm. adoption process and working on the application. I just remember crying with her mm-hmm. that we were blessed with quadruplets and she was still working through and fighting to get a child. And she still is mm-hmm. to this day. And mm-hmm. I'm forever grateful to the grace that she had in that moment and I'm gonna cry now yeah um but knowing that that was our next steps and knowing what she was feeling to a certain extent it was crazy to think that somebody like that could embrace me and support me in what we were going through and knowing that she wanted it like (laughs) she would have owned it she was like I'll take one, (laughs) you know, and we laughed about it, but laugh cried. And so that's kind of where our journey took us through infertility, Mm
0: -hmm. you know, and we
2: got to graduate, which was bittersweet from the infertility Mm -hmm. clinic. Right. Yeah.
1: I think that is such a beautiful anecdote about you and your friend. I think Mm -hmm. it brings to light something that is really prevalent in like the, the sisterhood of infertility and the sisterhood of- um high risk pregnancy and NICU, right? Which is uh no two journeys are the same.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: sometimes instead of comparison, like meeting someone completely at your most vulnerable is the way that you can connect and yeah and and mm-hmm. s- stand by each other, like do life together. And oh mm-hmm. my gosh, that makes me tear up
0: too. Yeah. I love her so much. I know. I'm like picturing this moment <laughs> in my head. I know and, I- and- Talk about it.
2: Yeah. Like yeah. infertility is not, is not this like thing that you have to live with. Peeing on a stick in the bathroom by yourself. Come out, make your husband look at it, look at, you know, talk about it. Tell people that you're going through it. If you're an extrovert and that's how you get your energy, because I would never know the people that were had been through it are going through it now unless i talked about it Mm -hmm. you know and so it just it brings these women together and i forever have the bonds that i have now with certain women are in our community because of that
0: Mm -hmm.
2: i just i love the conversations that you can have and the expertise of like here's my success story and being able to celebrate it but Mm -hmm. then also be like i'm so happy But let's work on you next. Like, let's get you pregnant. Let's get you that baby. You know, it just kind of forms that kind of tribe that you're looking for in that moment.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So had you had, had you like ever heard of anybody having four babies in a pregnancy before?
2: No, I heard of a cow. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen that? No. Oh, no. no. A cow gave birth, and it was eeny, meeny, miny, moo. Oh, baby. my
0: goodness. <laughs> That's Midwest for you. Yeah. Freaking cow.
1: So how did you even – I mean, like you said, it seems like, you know, you're an extrovert. You're like a doer, right? So how did you start, yeah. like, even wrapping your head around
2: that? Oh, I went to my mother. <laughs> <laughs> um, She was a past middle school principal. And so, like me, it's all about, okay, what can we do with this? Who do we look to to kind of get some ideas on how to make this work? Um, And it was just all about, well, let's reach out and see who has cribs. Let's look at your car. What can we do as far as, like, what's our next step with the car? And that's where Eric found his project because he didn't want anything to do with rearranging. He didn't want, you know – just those kind of planning things were like not in his repertoire and not in his wheelhouse. And so he's like, I'm gonna start looking at cars. <laughs> so you man. Um, so it was a lot of like Pinteresting <laughs> and a lot of blog searching. There are a few out there and they're all linked on Pinterest. Um and so just looking at triplet setups. Um and there are groups on Facebook. Sorry, excuse me. Um can you like no, keep that in. I'm a burper. <laughs> <laughs> just keep it real. Um there are a lot of triplet and multiples groups out there and there are, you know, multiples of the Red River Valley. Um there's there's just a lot of groups. And so I joined a triplet group. And just kind of looked at the conversation. So I was a total internet lurker <laughs> for such a long time. Um, so just not being afraid to search out. And I didn't want to have to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we reached out to a lot of friends. And teachers are one of the number one supporters in the world. So as soon as I said, does anybody have any cribs, (laughs) immediately there were cribs that I just drove around town picking up. (laughs) Um, My mom repainted them all the same color because she wanted to, not that I asked or cared. (laughs) Uh, You know, and I was, I don't know if you guys knew this, but I worked at Menards for over a decade
1: Oh my gosh. (laughs) I know. And so you've heard this. Everyone who's not from the Midwest, you know this Menards has the national anthem for the Midwest.
0: Yeah, it is. Saving (laughs) money. Saving money (laughs) money when you (laughs) shop Menards.
2: Yeah. So, as a hardware specialist, I, um, you know, hung bike hooks from our entryway ceiling for the car seats, again, Genius. that people, like, had on hand for me to go pick up. Um, it just it, – it was crazy how everything came together. And then, you know, being the Midwest people that we are, we hosted a diaper keger <laughs> where they pay 20 bucks or bring a box of diapers to get their cup, and we had kegs um, thanks to one of Eric's friends. And then we hosted a wipes and wine party, <laughs> and we have not had to buy wipes since. And oh we my won't. God. Have to. I'll probably be giving wipes away after we potty train. Um. So yeah, we just like did parties and brought people in on it, and I think that really solidified that like we have our people, we have people that support us and want to see us succeed, and not just watch this go
0: down in flames, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And what was like your pregnancy like as far as appointments? Cause I'm assuming you were checked quite often, being that you were a high risk multiple pregnancy. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
2: so I felt comfortable compared to Elsie. And again, it's that second child syndrome to where you're like, this is not this bad. I was pregnant till, you know, 39 weeks with her. So.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm, you know, and I felt bloated right away. I remember going to tell my mom and dad at the lake, and I was like, Mom, I feel so bloated. And I held up my shirt for her, and she's like, That's not one. And this was at five weeks. So we had, or four weeks. I can't even remember. We hadn't even gone to see that it was quadruplets yet. And so immediately I like had popped, which. You can imagine there's freaking four babies in there, <laughs> right? Um, so appointments. I saw my OB every four weeks, and he more so was checking me, so to making sure that I was staying sane and that I was staying healthy. And he really just checked in on my mental health, my physical health, and was my doctor, which everyone expects you know he just was phenomenal um it's Dr. Kappenman if ever anybody needs an OB go to him <laughs> um and then MFM so not the other podcast that I love if you're my favorite murder listener <laughs> um but yes um maternal yes maternal fetal medicine um they checked on us what every two weeks I think and then it dropped down to weekly and multiple times a week once we got to a certain point. Sure. Um, so that all went up until I lost my mucus plug on my way to school. And so I called MFM just saying like, hey, I lost my mucus po- plug and I left a message. Just saying like, hey, I lost this. Just let me know what to do. And – Went into school and um, they called me back right away. And they're like, no, we need you to go to the hospital. Like you need to go in to get checked out.
0: And how many weeks uh, were you at this point? 29. Okay. So it was 29 weeks.
2: Um, so I went in in my vaccine cause adults t-shirt. <laughs> I remember that, that I was wearing vaccines cause adults. And the nurses looking at me like, okay, this chick's for real, like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and calling my mom because she was, she she was my sub (laughs) whenever I had doctor's appointments, and I'm like, can you go into my classroom? I need you there. I should be back, like, in an hour, and they're like, no, we're taking you in, like, you have to stay, so after they checked me out, I was in the hospital for five days, um, just being constantly monitored, And you guys, if you look at the blog, you'll see um, pictures of me with these five monitors on. Um, One was for me, and then the four were placed over the quads, wherever they were. But we had to have two nurses and me trying to find the four other heartbeats. Because they would always shift. And so... They would do different diagrams on the whiteboard for wherever we thought the like, <laughs> where they were placed, and they would change for some reason. They were still able to like shift and flop around, and so even in that five days, we had like three or four different diagrams that MFM was able to draw up on the board. <laughs> So, it just is weird, you know, to think about. I'm like, they still have room. Right, right. So,
1: when you, like, back at, like, towards the earlier in the pregnancy, did they, they obviously mentioned to you, like, hey, multiples tend to come earlier, right?
2: Yeah. So, our goal was like 32 to 34 weeks. Sure, sure. And only because I, that, I was so lucky. I had zero issues through in and throughout all of the checkups. Like, nothing shortened, nothing thinned. I was healthy. I was taking – so I did give myself shots twice a day for blood thinners, um, which is really gross if you think about it, giving yourself a shot, and I had to do it by my belly button. (laughs) Weird. It still irks me to this day and makes my palms sweat. So I am blessed and lucky, and I think constantly about the women that are going through those appointments in a very, very different way and dreading those appointments in a very, very different way. Um, but again, the doctors, we had a great rapport, great relationship with the two that we saw. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that changed it for us where we're like, you make the calls. Please show us the science, but after that, we're down forever, whatever you want to do. And when, um,
1: when you started talking about, okay, because you like you got like to the mid twenties and getting closer, right? The, and mm-hmm. and then when you're in the hospital, then you must be starting to talk about like game plan. Like you're talking about like diagrams on the wall. It sounds <laughs> like an NFL
2: football <laughs> like
1: um yes. yeah, locker room,
2: <laughs> you know. Yep. Yeah. And so For us, NICU was always the end game. We always knew that we would end up in the NICU. Mm -hmm. So we went and met with the doctor, the neonatal doctor, and she talked us through the different ways that this could play out. She's like, well, depending on how much space we have, this is our, you know, A team that we're going to go with. And this is where you're going to be located. This is where babies are going to pop out, where they're going to go after they pop out. Um. And that is the one that we went with, as far as I know. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't told that poop was sitting in the fan at all. Um, And then there was, like, a plan B of, like, well, if we have other multiples that are being born at the same time, here's our plan B. And so it was a very um, unique conversation because I just sat there and she's like, well, do you have any questions? And I was like, I don't even know what to ask. I probably could be the same patient that – Puts it out there and says, "Hey, what should I be asking this doctor?" But I don't know, and I feel like you've told me well over what I wanted to know at this point. <laughs> just get get them out and get them where they need to be, and I trust you. Yeah. <laughs> and so I know that not every mom is like that. Every other moms, the anxiety of not knowing, they might just need to know, and I I didn't. Mm-hmm. didn't want to know I just wanted to know that they were going to be safe Mm -hmm. so
1: well I mean we had that I think that makes sense so considering like that that's a lot of information for you (laughs) to digest and like be like I will be the leader here do you know what I mean at a certain part that's like yes part of it is like that's parenthood in a nutshell right like letting go of control
2: well and so think about that like I had a daughter at home we knew that Nikki was the end game. We didn't know what day was going to happen. And so our thoughts immediately went to what has to happen with Elsie. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: And in my classroom, like, when am I going to be called out of my classroom? Is this going to go down in front of my kids? Again, you guys know one of my worst fears is farting in front of my <laughs> students. Is my water? Am I going to, like, basically pee myself in front of my kids? Explaining a mucus plug for 13-year-olds? <laughs> I know they don't need to see that. You
0: know what kind also, of notice
2: is going to have to go out. Can I from can I ask
0: a weird question and this makes me feel very novice about birth? Like is your was your mucus plug bigger because you had 4 babies or was it like an average size mucus plug? Like how did you know? Like I just my mucus plug just broke.
2: Okay, with Elsie, I didn't have a mucus plug that came out. Oh. I remember I was
0: in right, 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 right. And
2: they broke my water for me. I had no idea. It was just unlike anything I've ever seen come out of my body ever. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair.
1: <laughs> you know, I yep. I feel like the made I took it a as descriptive. I probably still have the
2: picture. The name
1: is
0: yeah. They use some good descriptors you good idea. <laughs> yeah. Mucus yes. plug. So I, we should put that on a Dear Nikki Mama sweatshirt. Has Dear Nikki mucus Mama. Plug. Can you please? I will. I will. Even if it's just I a special, special edition Malcats for Sally. Yes. For all the mamas yes. out there who have seen their, themselves pass a mucus plug, this sweatshirt is for you. You are not alone. <laughs> yes, you are alone. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I oh I knew You're that no this ones. episode with you, Sally, would go like this because we I knew we'd have so much fun, but this was hilarious. <laughs> oh my
2: gosh! I'm so God, tired. it's so gross.
0: Okay, sorry. So you were on bed rest for five days, monitoring you with all of the monitors, sure. and then what?
2: And then I lost weight. You know how much chocolate pudding I ate, and I still lost weight. So my fight was, I lost weight nothing's changed with them let me go so after 5 days they let me go with the you know you have to come back sure so i had to come back um it was 2 days later um and so we left we had to go back 2 days later they did another ultrasound excuse me i burped again cuz you know um <laughs> and he was like well today is the day virgil hasn't grown and well he didn't know it was virgil his baby a has not grown and baby d now does not have um she has backflow in one of her umbilical cord things you know again science teacher you think i know <laughs> um and so he's like today is the day and i was like can i go home and pack up a bag <laughs> So, he gave me an hour. He's like, you have to go home, pack your bag, but within an hour. And wow. so, we left. And so, I – when I got home, it was the most terrifying thing. I think I cried for a probably 45 minutes straight because I called my sisters and told them what was happening. Um, You know, just my younger sister. And then when I called my older sister – I told her that one of the babies was going to have a combination of her first and middle name as her middle name, mm. just to kind of like make me feel better of like, here's this little snippet. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, she was so worried. Um, and so when we got back to the hospital, that's when the whole flow chart came to life because they were able to get their team together within that hour. Um, and that's just kind of when everything started
0: going down. And I think that's when I met Taylor <laughs> in the lobby. Probably. I was, I was I was scrubbing in. <laughs> I was scrubbing in and I looked over and I was like, I think that's Taylor and she was like dressed in all white scrubs and like had a hair net on. But she was holding a camera and I was like, wait. And so we kind of looked at each other like, I think we know each other, but I was also like, I don't think I was doing super well emotionally that day, so I didn't like talk to her. But then I messaged her on Facebook later and I was like, did I just see you in the NICU? (laughs) So surreal. Yeah. And again,
2: she grounded me. She is one of those people that just, no matter what, she embraces you wherever you're at you're feeling emotional, she'll help you. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling ecstatic, she'll match your energy. Um, She just kind of knows Mm -hmm. how to work -hmm. with you in that moment. And I think that's why she's so phenomenal.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: So in that moment, it was, I don't really want to be here. This is not where I want to be. I want to have them in me for another two to four weeks but this is kind of where we're at. And she just kind of accepted that with me of like, let's have some fun, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And so we're cracking jokes. We're talking to the nurses. We're getting everybody involved, just kind of creating that community that I needed in that moment. And she was a big assistant in Mm -hmm. that.
1: Did you know her before going into the experience? No. What? (laughs) No.
2: No. So, Taylor, I first saw photos when she had these puppies in her studio, and she was taking pictures of these newborn puppies (laughs) who happened to be the puppies of a swim parent, and the swim parent passed off our name. And so, Taylor reached out to me just saying, hey, I just want to let you know, like, I'm I would love to do this for you and your family, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Taylor freaking Jane mm-hmm. wants to take her photos, <laughs> and so I immediately latched onto it, and it's it's been you know a made for TV love scene <laughs> ever. Seen. That is so cool. Yeah, I um, mm-hmm. and it was really
1: great to have Taylor on. When was that, Ashley? It felt like forever ago because we were in person. Yeah, (laughs) it was pre 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 pandemonium. Yeah, it was
0: pre-COVID.
1: Pre-panopticon. And we were in studio. And I think one of the cool things she talked about was what the like you know, what it it, like what a magical experience it is for her to be able to document it. Because when you're in the middle of it, like you don't have any idea what's going on. And so I so wish I would have Mm -hmm. been able to do that with my kiddos because you there's so much of memory that fails us. Cause like we're in fight or flights. And, mm-hmm. and I wonder if that was your experience too. You know, they're like, okay, this is ready. We're bringing you in now. And then it's like, bam,
2: you're in the middle of it. Uh, yes. And I was put, not put under, but you know, numbed from the waist down and she was able to capture all of that my blood pressure dropped multiple times to um really scary levels as far as you know just what the body is capable of so I was throwing up mm-hmm. before they were born um while I was on the operating table and so she was there with me um Eric was obviously there with me as well and just being that supportive like I'm able to crack jokes and be like, this sucks. And she's able to giggle at me, you know, again, she's able to match exactly what Wait, I need in that know. moment. And that's why she's my soul sister. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, And so she captured all of it, you know, the whole Simba moment of Dr. Kapperman holding up the babies over the screen, mm. those photos, I didn't get to see any of mm. that, you know, until after the, that pass because I just was like, who do you got? Have you tied my tubes yet? Mm-hmm. Who is up next? Have you tied my tubes yet? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> checking in to make sure <laughs> that he did the big deed afterwards. <laughs> um, But, yeah. One other thing I do want to talk about, though, is this magical moment with my mom. Mm-hmm. So Virgil is my grandfather's name, and my mom had no idea of the names Um, they actually, my parents are the only ones that knew that it was two and two. Nobody else knew that we were having two girls and two boys. And, um, so we hid that from her. So when Dr. Kapperman held up the baby A, I was like, mom, that's Virgil. And she just like forever, (laughs) like just boom, the tears started coming. Mm -hmm. And so she just was that for the rest of the day, just Mm -hmm. crying forever. (laughs) And so I hope that other people listening got to have that moment with their family, just being able to have just that one moment, even if it's not the delivery that you wanted, even if it's not how you imagined your dream baby and your dream situation, that you got to have just that one moment of being like, look at what we did and look at this is their name. And just have that one little moment of peace just saying, oh, look it. It's little Virgil, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So – and it doesn't matter what it looks like as long as you have that feeling.
0: And that's when I had that feeling. Mm. That's so beautiful.
1: And like and, – and also a moment of – it sounds like a moment of great pride too, right? Like it wasn't like it was glamorous yeah. or easy for you. That was, those were – right? Like as you're barfing on the table. Right. right.
2: Oh, I was so unattractive at that moment. I had been barfing. I had, you know, I was crying the entire time because my blood pressure was so yeah. low. I was shivering on the table. I was just so uncomfortable. But uh, that was a moment between my mom and mm-hmm. I that nobody can take mm-hmm.
0: that away. Yeah,
2: absolutely. <laughs> and, like, you, I think a, a good
0: message
1: for the listeners would be, like, Like you deserve it, right? You deserve to have celebratory moments. So many times I feel like moms with these NICU experiences, because I know this is how I felt like you, it's kind of self-punishing, right? But to be able to look at your baby and celebrate yourself and say, I did that and my baby loves me and I'm, you know, a freaking rock star because Mm -hmm. I'm a survivor, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. And it doesn't matter when it happens. It can happen – Six months after birth. I mean, let's be real. Like, postpartum anxiety, postpartum feelings, postpartum depression. That moment could happen six months, a year and a half. It doesn't matter as long as you get that one little moment where you're like, hey, uh,
0: I totally did that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So true. Absolutely. So Virgil comes out. Who came out now? Virgil comes out. So everybody gets their Simba Pride Rock (laughs) moment. Dr. Kahneman. Um. And then they get rushed across the hall and they have four doctors each, Mm -hmm. I think. Yep. Four doctors each. I'm getting the head nod from Eric. Um, So there's 16 doctors only solely for the babies. Mm -hmm. And then you have the ones that are in the peanut gallery that are just there to watch this all go down. Um, Taylor's running back and forth. My mom is going back and forth because, you know, she's my one chosen person with Eric. I got to choose two since there were so many. Um, my mother-in-law's in there. You know, it's it's just all going down. And so they are working on them. None of the quads were breathing when they came out, mm-hmm. um, which we didn't learn about until later on, actually. Until a couple weeks after they were born, we learned that they weren't breathing and I was like, I appreciate you not telling me in that moment. I appreciate not knowing. It was nice to have it hidden. um. But also, I kind of wish I would have known because I think then it would make me realize how real it was in that moment um, because it was all very, very, very surreal. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. I just popped out four kids within two minutes mm-hmm. from 3.31 wow. to 3.33. And, um, and then I was rushed off to recovery, um, and they couldn't get me warm enough Mm -hmm. or get my blood pressure and heart rate high enough. And so I don't know how long I was back there. Eric doesn't know either, but they had, you know, heating pads constantly covering me. I had oxygen. I was shivering the whole time. You know, that was kind of just like me prepping, Mm -hmm. um, kind of a major recovery after my second c-section um and I didn't see my babies until the next day Mm -hmm. so I was selfish and I don't regret a thing about it to where I took a day um to kind of compose myself and ground myself and make sure that I was mentally ready to go into the NICU um, and talking with nurses. I refused to see lactation just because I wasn't ready for that conversation because four babies, mm-hmm. you know, no. Mm-hmm. just no. I'm not. I'm one human. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I waited until the next day to go see them. So I granted myself one night of kind of prep of course I didn't sleep very well but I waited until the next day and then I went down that next afternoon actually to go see them um and it was just very like what's happening like Mm -hmm. I don't know what's happening with these little human beings? What are all these machines? Mm-hmm. What are, what does all this language mean? And then learning about, you know, like, I knew rotations took place. I didn't know when. Um, so, yeah, just learning the lay of the land right. the next day, yeah. which everybody goes through as a NICU mama. Mm-hmm. And, like, you're like, what does all of this mean? Yeah. What does this mean for my child? What does this mean for me? How can I be involved? Mm -hmm. It just was very um, eye-opening to that land that I knew was in our future. Mm -hmm. It's just once it actually happens, you don't know what to do with yourself or where to place
0: yourself. Yeah. Let alone for four babies at a time. You know, it's like, it's one adjustment to, you know, navigate the NICU for one, but then to have four different reports and four different sets of rounds and four different babies who do things at their own pace and at their own speed. I can imagine not only was it overwhelming to be introduced to the NICU, but also to being a NICU mama of four at a time.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and I, you know, just being able to see their names on the crib cards of their isolettes, mm-hmm. just seeing it all was very, very surreal.
0: Yeah.
2: And, and I'm just assuming that Eric felt the same way, um, that it just was all very eye-opening of like, okay, hey, they're out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but we were split between two rooms right next door to each other. So we had – um, the boys in one room and girls in the other, which I thought was so cute because <laughs> they came out two boys first, two boys se- second, which I always told Dr. Kapaman that he's sexist. And that's rude. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so that's kind of how we got into the NICU.
0: Oh, man.
2: I think it is like really wise of you that
1: you were like, I need my body to heal and yep. my mental space to be ready before I walk into that space.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because, again, it's hashtag major surgery, right? And you kind of alluded yes. to it a little bit. Was it a harder recovery with your second?
2: Um, you know what happened was that both my sisters flew in to – they're both on the East Coast – so they flew in and surprised me. And so we made um, a day of day number two is when we really, like, we went down to the cafeteria. We went up and saw all the babies. I got to just really hang out with them. I also hadn't pooped or farted at that point, which, you know, I'm very passionate about. <laughs> um, as everybody knows, that first poop after you have a C-section, oh, like, Lord. really <clears throat> stopped. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure... Vaginal birth, it's the same way. Where you're like, I'm giving birth again. Um, wow. And so day three was the worst pain I had been in from C-section situations. Because I had pushed myself way too hard on day two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was harder in that aspect where I was like, after LCC section, I was taking the stairs on day two and three. I was fine. Again, I was very lucky. These guys – not so much.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so it it was difficult just to accept that my body wasn't ready.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And I also want to commend you for, you know, telling lactation that that wasn't something that you were interested in doing. You know, I think God bless lactation consultants. They are a special, special group of people, but there is that pressure when you've just birthed a baby to be like answering questions like, do you want to make milk? Um, Sure. Okay. We're going to hook you up right now. And so I'm also proud of you for, you know, really under honoring your capacity and honoring what, you felt capable of doing in that moment, especially with four babies, and so I'm proud of you too for being like, nope, that's not something that I'm interested in doing. I am one person <laughs> for my sanity and for just my well being. No, nope. <laughs> right. And I did let them
2: in. I should I should say I did let them in on day two. We did the whole nipple situation and <laughs> got all the all of the things started. <laughs> But I definitely, on that first day, was just yeah. like, dude,
0: get out.
2: Get out of here. I love you. But I don't want to see right. you. face right give now.
0: Me, give me a couple hours, please, to recover. Yeah. Okay. Get, get that massage lady in here again.
2: <laughs> oh, I forgot about the massage lady. Oh, how could you do that, Martha? I know. There.
1: She would always come back. I remember she'd come in and I – And for those listening, um, if you were antepartum, you know, you were waiting to be, you're in bed rest in the hospital or whatever, they'd send by. And I think for postpartum too, the nurse would come by and give massages and stuff. And I remember I was talking to like all these IVs and she was like, can you somehow unhook your, take off your sports bra? So I was like- Get all tangled up in my sports bra on my IVs. And then like, I like detached from something and alarms came off. And I was like, I just wanted a
0: massage.
1: Worth it. Worth it. it. Anyway, sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. Ashley, you can take that out. I just got really excited because I remembered about the masseuse.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm jealous that I didn't get to have this masseuse experience. That sounds so lovely. They should
1: probably have them in the NICU too now that I think about it. Yes. Yes. Sometimes we just need like another human touch to be like it's okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right? You don't have to, you don't have to carry this in your shoulders. Okay. Yes, exactly. Thank
1: you. That's so true.
0: <laughs> so was your NICU journey relatively the word uneventful doesn't ever feel appropriate, but I mean, what was what was your NICU journey like with the four of them?
2: Very science driven. So, it was very um, baby A, baby – they always referred to them baby A, B, C, and D. Um, they didn't really – they eventually transitioned to their names, but they led with A through D as, like, the first notation. And that's fine. That's how they had to do it in their note-taking. Um, personally, I just – I was, like – I was living in um, – like neonatal land. So Ruby to us was always baby B because that was her placement in my womb. Mm. And baby C was always Jax. Now, because Jax is such a large human being, mm-hmm. he came out on top because he was king of the hill in the mound of babies in my stomach. <laughs> so Virgil was first, Jax was second. So when they would say baby B, I would always be like, Ruby And so it was very confusing. I would always sit in and be ready for them doing rounds, but I always kind of was on the edge as a participant. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I'm very fortunate to have the mindset and the team that I trusted at our location to let them drive what needed to happen with, you know, caffeine, oxygen, all of the things, all of the machines, just kind of being able to listen in. Um, we did have Ruby, who um, went through a lot of heart issues and was diagnosed with SVT. So she did start propranolol in the NICU, um, just meaning that her heart rate would spike and dip very suddenly. Um and so, again, the cardiologist that was in the NICU did an amazing job of explaining that to us and drawing me diagrams mm-hmm. and hearing my questions, hearing my concerns, and being very reassuring, but yet real with mm-hmm. us about what that looks like for her when we left them, you know, because it was always like, well, when we go home, what does this look like? Mm-hmm. Because we get it here. I don't want, you guys are highly trained medical professional babysitters in my mind when I'm in the NICU. But when we get home, what does this look like for Mm -hmm. us? And so they did an amazing job of talking us through that. Um, Kit kept on failing her hearing screening. And so she eventually ended up getting tubes in her ears shortly after we left the NICU. But other than that, We were very blessed without any major dips in what was happening. The girls struggled with gaining weight. So they did go home with um, NG tubes, um, just the ones that go through the nose. Mm -hmm. Um, So I got trained on how to reinsert it and how to use the machine to give them feedings. But I don't know. As a bad patient and a bad mom, they pulled it out within 24 hours and I never reinserted <sighs> it. <laughs> I was so bad. And they started taking more food when we got home. Sure. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Um, they also started sleeping together, which we stopped after, you know, four weeks, I think, after being home. Um, but they just – they thrived once we got home. Mm-hmm. And I know not every mother has that experience of being – Able to bring their baby home, and I want to acknowledge that that we were so thankful when we got to walk out, and I always thought about the babies that were still in there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, just to put that out there, that we're we think about that mm-hmm. of like what what it looks like, especially when we knew that Ava was gonna come into that situation too. Um, so knowing that Christy was coming in as our girls were leaving. And just kind of wondering what that looks like for them. And for
1: the listeners, that's Christy Krebs. We had her on the podcast again 10,000 years ago. Yeah. Um, she <laughs> talked about her daughter, Ava, um, who was born at the same hospital. It's like a lovely, beautiful, intense sisterhood um, <laughs> of women yeah. who were at this hospital. But.
2: Christy, forever. When You need to go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already because she stays in your mm-hmm. heart. And so we think about her constantly – and thankfully, you know, just her mindset. Yeah. And so, after meeting her, it's no reason why like that I can have such a positive attitude about all of this because oh, she's just a magical human being. Yeah. As are you too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> As are you. You you are and you're you are so compassionate and I think you are such a giver to the whole community and mm-hmm. I think too, like you're you're worthy of being celebrated because the things that you went through they were not small. They're they were hard. There were hardships and challenges and learning lessons in in what you went gone through here. I mean, um, I think too, like you just you just strike me as someone who's like you you get presented a new challenge and you're like, great, we're gonna do this. What's next, right? And um, I think that's so cool, and it's just speaks to how like well suited you are to being the mom of five kids.
0: Yes, <laughs> <Right?
1: laughs> exactly. Like, like this happened for a reason, right? Like you're the best mom for these kids,
0: <laughs> for sure. Thank
2: you for that. <laughs> Don't always say that, but you know, when they have kicks for a third time in a row that day, I'll remember that. <laughs> oh man!
1: Oh, so when did you? I mean, when did you even start to? Because was your daughter able to meet the the quads? Was she able to come in?
2: <laughs> so she was not allowed in. So it was during cold and flu mm-hmm. season. So because she was only two years old, they didn't allow anybody. It was below the age of like 15 or 17 right. into the NICU. So she would go and hang out in Cully's.
0: Oh, Cully's cabin.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yep. So she would go hang out in there if she came with us, but usually she just got dropped off with the grandparents, or she was still in daycare at that point. So she stayed in daycare until um, summer was when she got pulled. Since I'm a teacher, I always pulled her in the summer, so I had that kind of stay as her routine. Which, if you're able to do that, great. If you're not, you know, you just you make it work however it needs to happen. Um, so she met Virgil. We needed milk. Um, and of course, this was pre-COVID. So I can't even imagine. She hasn't been in a grocery store this entire time during COVID. Mm-hmm. But she met Virgil in the parking lot at our local Hornbockers. Um, and I had it on video of her like meeting Virgil for the first time because mm-hmm. he was the first one out. Um, and then they just kind of started filtering out from there. So Jax came home five days later. And then the girls a week after that.
0: And how many so, days were their stays in total?
2: We were only in for seven weeks, but again, it was with medically trained professional babysitters <laughs> in our yes. world, where they got <laughs> they gave us the ability to learn how to be parents. They taught us how to be parents to quadruplets. Um, you know, they gave us that ability to get to know our children without having to take care of them. Yeah. You know it just it changes your world when you're putting on micro creamy diapers. You just don't know that that even exists in the world, and so to have somebody talk you through it and not using a whole wipe <laughs> you know it's something that we didn't have the ability to even know before that,
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, oh my gosh, now I use like
1: eighty wipes sometimes it's <laughs> giant kit. right.
0: I feel like there's so many questions we could go into of like the coming home process. So I'm like, where do we go and how do we not like, (laughs) like, how do we direct this? Because there's so many different ways we could go about like adjusting to life as a quad mom at home. (laughs) Well, okay. You know what? I have a question. So Mm -hmm. this is kind of related to the pandemic, but you, you bring quadruplets home. You already have a toddler and a pandemic happens and you cannot leave your house. So how did you protect your mental health and just kind of how did you navigate being a family at home, essentially like in quarantine with five kids?
2: Um, Get your husband furloughed. (laughs) Have him make make more money on unemployment than he does in real life. (laughs) it's so it's so
1: true
0: though like oh it's so i'm so sorry that happened you, but it
1: like totally
2: happened it's like such a reality for
0: uh, so many people yeah
2: it is yeah It, it took away his passion um but he already was staying home with them during the day so as a teacher i would leave in the morning go to work so i took off the rest they were born in march I was given the ability because of FMLA, excuse me, I burped again, (laughs) because, you know, Um, I was given the ability to go on FMLA and finish out the school year at home, and so I went back the next fall, and then, of course, COVID hit, so I had already established my classroom with my students. And so during the pandemic, of course, we went full-on virtual. And so I was teaching to my students only one day a week. And then I would go downstairs for a couple hours each day just to do paperwork, interventions, enrichments, have those conversations with families, um, talk to my teaching team. But again, we, we were in uncharted territory. And so I was only going down for two to three hours a day. And then Eric was already at home as a stay-at-home dad. Fortunately, it happened – you know, we're in North Dakota. Fortunately, the pandemic happened when things were getting warmer. And so, you know, that last blizzard hit, and then we were good. And so being able to go outside, be a family outside, go for walks – we were quarantined with my parents – So my parents, fortunately, were both already retired and making good decisions. As far as mask wearing, we didn't go anywhere. We did all pickup and delivery. And so we were able to quarantine with them. And that's kind of how we stayed sane. Mm -hmm. We we like them. So, you know, it's his in-laws, my parents, we like them. And so they were our outlet. They knew how to take care of the babies. They set up their home similar to ours, where it was all baby friendly. Um, they had bottles on hand, diapers on hand. So, and they lived two blocks away, you mm-hmm. guys. So we formed our little quarantine community here. Um. So yeah, we we stay insane in that way. Mm-hmm. Um. And again, I was still talking to all my teacher friends. I still had that going for me as an extrovert. It was very important for me to upkeep that social outlet because as a mama, things can get very, very um, hunkered down and you can feel so alone. And so knowing that I had these other people to outreach Mm -hmm. to for like, I just need to laugh. I need to talk to somebody um, my sisters were there on video chat immediately. We established a weekly phone call with my family that still goes on to this mm-hmm. day. Um, and so yeah, that's
0: that's how we did it was just surrounding ourselves with our makeshift community. Mm-hmm. What do you wish people knew about what it means to be a multiples mama?
2: As a Nikki mom, as a multiple mom, life does not have to stop for you. Life, You don't have to put everything on hold. You can show your um, kids that you have your own dreams. You have your own personality. I upkept my job as a teacher. I love my husband dearly and we still go on adventures. They love their older sister and we've tried to enhance that experience with her to know that life doesn't have to stop for her either that you basically if you dream it you have the opportunity to pursue that so I'm pursuing my PhD I'm that's incredible I know I my husband doesn't know this and he's listening in I sent in my application (sighs) to get my PhD a couple days ago And I just want NICU moms and for multiple moms to know, like, it doesn't have to stop. And I know multiple moms in this area, life has not stopped for them. There are some badass moms out there who are doing this. (laughs) And, you know, it just, it's crazy to know that, like, you just, you survive and you have to do what you got to do. And it's okay to still be a human being and be like, well, I could, you know, sit and play with my kids for the next three hours. But really what I want to do is looking to know, like, how can I actually like reframe and redo my whole nursery? Like, how can I do that? And like, home improvement projects is where I'm, what I'm getting at, too. It's just – it's crazy to think, like, you can pursue other things. Your life does not have to stop and revolve around your kids 24-7. And I know that's not true for a lot of moms, and that's what they want to do is have their life revolve around their kids, but I don't know. I'm over it. <laughs> I want them to know that mommy has a life and she has dreams, and so – I'm doing it. Listen,
1: you're talking to two women who like during postpartum were like, we should start a
2: business. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And you guys are rocking it, right? So to know that your kids are seeing you, like I went through this traumatic experience, but look, I built an entire freaking community out of it. I built a business and we're going to talk about it.
0: (laughs) We're going to talk about it
1: literally (laughs) that is so so true Sally I feel like the point is it's getting at who you are like finding yourself again yeah we've had we have this wonderful mama Vilma and she talks about how she before she had her son uh she like she dresses beautiful oh my god she's gorgeous she's beautiful her hair is always on point whatever but clearly early on into the NICU she like Kept getting dressed, kept doing her makeup because it made her feel like her. She, it was who she was, and I think that's such an important thing, Sally. You're so wise. What's your PhD going to be in wisdom?
2: <laughs> right? Uh, it's in school leadership. Totally. Oh, that's so awesome. Good for you. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm just I'm just so excited to be able to show my kids like, look at what I yeah. did when you turned <laughs> like you turned two, and the next week I submitted my application for my PhD. Program,
0: and I was <laughs> like, i my doctorate, yo. Yeah, congrats. <laughs> That's so exciting. <laughs> Well, Sally, thank you so much for sharing your journey and for sharing your story. You are such a blast and an inspiration to so many. And so thank you for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to do this. And congrats again on your PhD application. That is so exciting. We are absolutely cheering for you. And Mamas of multiples listening, uh, we just want to affirm the, the very complexities that it means to be a Nikki mama of many. And so if you are in the NICU today and you are watching the monitors of not one, but possibly two, three, four babies, just know that you are seen and loved and you are the best mom for your, for your babies. So mamas, as always, thank you for tuning in. It's an honor to have you in this space with us. And we cannot wait to chat with you guys next time. Have a great rest of your week.
1: If you love this podcast and would like to hear more amazing stories, please consider becoming a member of the Dear NICU Mama Patreon page. In addition to special merchandise and early access to content, Patreon members support the mission, programs, and services of Dear NICU Mama. You can find the link on the description of this episode. As always, if you'd like to hear more from Dear NICU Mama, click subscribe. Welcome to the Sisterhood.